Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. Welcome back to The Motivated Mind, a top 100 health podcast, thanks to each of you. This is episode 346, and I'm your host, Scott Lynch. Thanks so much for listening. If I brought you any value, please be sure to leave a review and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. You can learn all the skills in the world, math, business, writing, but the right mindset will always trump them all. It's a great unlock to all other skills. Success and happiness come down to one single component, and that's mindset. In order to achieve our goals in life, our mindset needs to match those aspirations. And this is exactly what I pack into my free weekly newsletter. As a free subscriber, you receive the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter once per week packed with actionable insights on how to master your mindset and optimize your happiness. If you haven't subscribed, but you enjoy the content I drop on this podcast, then you're missing out. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe for free to the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. The average person loses 26 days to wasted time every year. Now, if this didn't grab your attention, then this will. The average person here in the United States lives to around 76. Over the course of the average lifespan, that's 1,976 days or 5.4 years wasted. That's a lot of time. Have no fear, though, because I have a way to get back that precious time. No, I haven't invented time travel. The solution is far less complex in sci-fi. It's a powerful tool that all of us have at our disposal, mental models. These thinking tools help us make sense of the world, make better decisions, and simplify complex concepts, saving us hundreds of hours. 
So what are these mental models that will save us hundreds of hours and how do we apply them to our everyday lives? Number one, decomplication. We've been led to believe that our everyday problems, such as weight loss, productivity, or saving money, require complex solutions. This is what's called artificial complexity. And as you can imagine, this artificial complexity normally pushes us to procrastinate or simply become overwhelmed, and eventually we avoid that thing altogether. So, how do we overcome this artificial complexity? Through decomplication. This is the process of boiling problems down into their simplest form. The core solutions to many problems, maybe even most problems, are extremely simple. And each of us should be able to explain a problem in just one paragraph. We can explain how to lose weight, how to gain muscle, how to save money, how to be productive, how to sleep better, how to grow a website, and just about any other popular problem. But we don't want to hear this. Now, why is this? Because through a combination of psychological biases, willpower depletion, and effective marketing, we've begun to believe that the simple things are difficult and complex, and that we need swaths of information and expertise to solve them. We've created and have been sucked into a world of artificial complexity, one where topics are made more complex than they need to be in order to appeal to our biases and frustrations and to help companies make more money. But here's the good news. Once we recognize this world of artificial complexity, we can turn any problem back into its simple solution through decomplication. Weight loss, strength training, productivity, skill enhancement, sleep, they're all incredibly simple once we decomplicate them. So, remember this acronym, ADFA, which stands for Awareness, Recognize the Prevalence of Artificial Complexity in Various Areas of Life, Decomplication, Take the time to break down complex problems into their simplest components, focus on fundamentals, emphasize the core principles and basic actions required to address a problem, and lastly, avoid overthinking. Resist the temptation to overanalyze or overcomplicate solutions by recognizing artificial complexity, and simplifying challenges to their core elements, we can approach problems with greater clarity and confidence. Number two, via negativa. This falls under a somewhat similar category as my last point. When we have a problem, our natural instinct is to add a new habit or buy a solution. However, most often we improve our life by subtracting instead. For example, the foods we avoid are more important than the foods we eat. So why is this mental model so powerful? Well, there are a few key principles to this. The first is simplicity. Complexity can often be a source of problems as we just discussed. By simplifying and decluttering our lives, we can reduce stress, enhance focus, and improve overall well-being. The second is distractions. In a world filled with constant stimuli, removing what hinders productivity can lead to significant gains. 
And the third is prioritization. This mental model encourages us to let go of less important commitments, tasks, or possessions. Subtracting distractions is the key to productivity. So, Consider the power of subtraction in your life. Identify and remove what is unnecessary, harmful, or distracting because doing so will ultimately lead to more simplicity, efficiency, and well-being. Remember, sometimes less is more. Number three, effectiveness versus efficiency. Both are two critical concepts that play a fundamental role in personal and professional productivity. And understanding the distinction between these terms and knowing how to balance them can significantly impact our ability to achieve our goals and objectives. So let's start with some definitions. Effectiveness is about doing the right things. It's the ability to choose the tasks and activities that align with our goals and result in the outcome we intend. It focuses on the quality and significance of what we do. Efficiency is about doing things right. It's the ability to perform tasks with minimal waste of time and effort. It's related to how well we execute tasks and how quickly we can complete them. Now, to achieve more, we must be both effective and efficient. However, effectiveness should come first. Before we focus on doing things efficiently, we should ensure that we're working on the right task. In other words, we should ensure we're pursuing meaningful goals and objectives. If you can achieve this, you can avoid wasting time on tasks that don't contribute to your objectives, which will ensure that you're making the most of your efforts. Number four, speed matters. We all remember the childhood story of the tortoise and the hare. You know, the one where the hare is very confident of winning, and because of this confidence, it decides to stop during the race and falls asleep while the tortoise continues to move very slowly but without stopping, and finally, it wins the race. Now, the moral lesson of this story is that we can be more successful by doing things slowly and steadily than by acting quickly and carelessly. Now, while this is true, there's another key element left out of this story, and that's activation energy. And considering this book is meant for four to eight-year-old children, I'm not surprised it doesn't expand on this. Because, I mean, what child isn't fascinated with activation energy? I'll take a wild guess here and say none. But maybe the hair has a comeback in its distant future, because the faster we do things, the less activation energy is required to do any one thing. See, activation energy refers to the amount of mental effort and motivation required to start and complete a task. Think of it as the initial push needed to overcome procrastination or resistance. Now, within this zone of speed comes compression, specifically the compression of time. And this comes in the form of shortening timeframes. When we have less time to complete something, we're more likely to dive in and get started immediately. And this reduces the activation energy required to begin. So if there's something we want to do a lot of and get good at, such as writing or coding, we should try to do it faster. Now, this doesn't mean being sloppy, but 
It does mean pushing ourselves to go faster than we think is healthy. Now, why is this? Because the task will come to cost less in our mind. It'll have a lower activation energy, so we'll do it more. And as we do it more, as long as we're doing it deliberately, we'll get better. And eventually, we'll be both fast and good. Number five, hourly aspirational rate. Our hourly aspirational rate is rooted in the valuation of our time and its significance in making effective decisions about how we allocate our efforts. This rate represents the monetary or personal value we attribute to an hour of our time. And understanding and applying our hourly aspirational rate can be a powerful tool for optimizing our productivity, prioritizing tasks, and achieving our goals more efficiently. So how do we determine our aspirational rate? Well, it's fairly straightforward, and we can begin by assessing our financial goals and obligations. So calculate your desired annual income and divide it by the number of working hours in a year. This figure represents the financial value you place on each hour of work. So for example, if your goal is to earn $100,000 per year and you work 2,000 hours annually, your hourly aspirational rate would be $100,000 divided by 2,000 hours, which equals $50 per hour. So figure out how much an hour of your time is worth by determining your aspirational hourly rate. Because the understanding of this aspirational hourly rate can be used for a wide array of things, such as deciding whether or not to do a certain task. For example, let's say your calculated hourly aspirational rate is $50. When faced with a task like mowing your lawn, which normally takes three hours or $150 of your aspirational hourly rate, which you could outsource for $90, you might decide, to delegate it. This way, you save time working on a project that has the potential to generate income or spend quality time with your family, which you've determined is invaluable. So when evaluating any task, ask yourself whether it's worth more or less than your aspirational hourly rate. If it's worth less than your rate, you should outsource, automate, or delegate it entirely. Our hourly aspirational rate serves as a practical tool for aligning our actions with our goals, values, and desired outcomes. It empowers us to prioritize and invest our time wisely in activities that contribute most to our personal and professional success. Number six, high leverage activities. This is all about optimizing our time and efforts by focusing on activities that have the most significant impact on our desired outcomes. Now, the primary goal of this model is to maximize our productivity and influence over a particular area by strategically allocating our time and resources. So, to maximize output, we should spend time on the activities that will influence that output the most. The more we need to do an activity, or the more we are affected by it, the higher the leverage is on time spent perfecting that thing. 
Now, high leverage activities are not necessarily about spending the most time on a task. Instead, they prioritize activities that have a disproportionately positive effect on our overall output. Keith Rabois, an entrepreneur, investor, and contrarian widely known for his early stage startup investments and his executive role at PayPal, LinkedIn, Slide, and Square framed this mental model beautifully. In order to maximize your team's output, you need to spend time on the activities that will influence that output the most. For example, at Square, Keith would spend at least five hours every week preparing for his presentation at the All Hands meeting on Fridays. Now, that might seem like an excessive amount of time to spend on a weekly presentation. However, if he was able to communicate a single idea that affected how everyone at the company made decisions, then it was absolutely worth it. This is the first category of high leverage activities. When we have many people affected by one thing, spending a lot of time to perfect it is high leverage. So identify and invest time in activities that will have the most substantial impact on your desired outcomes. Start strategically allocating your resources and maximize the effectiveness of your efforts because doing so will ultimately lead to more significant achievements and progress. Number seven, systems versus goals. To achieve more, we should focus on the process first, the system that will get us to the goal. Doing something every day is a system, like writing for an hour, whereas writing a book is a goal. And speaking of books, James Clear, the master of habit formation, said it best. Goals determine your direction. Systems determine your progress. In other words, while goals provide a sense of direction, it's the system we follow that truly propel us forward. Instead of just setting a goal, and hoping for the best, we should focus on the systematic steps required to make progress. Think of it this way. Most of us in America own a vehicle, 91.7% of households at least, to be more specific. Now, imagine your vehicle had everything it has, but it was missing one thing, the computer and its software, arguably the most important aspect of the vehicle, because it's within this computer that the coding or systems live, which allow everything from the engine and the transmission to communicate to the automatic windshield wipers. Now, imagine if these systems weren't in place. It'd be really challenging to make it into the office or go on a road trip, aka the goal or final destination. Scott Adams, author and cartoonist, summarized the power of systems over goals nicely. Goal-oriented people exist in a state of continuous pre-success failure at best and permeate failure at worst if things never work out. Systems people succeed every time they apply their systems in the sense that they did what they intended to do. But goals people are fighting the feeling of discouragement at each turn, the systems people are feeling good every time they apply their system. So, continually remind yourself that consistent effort and a well-designed system are often more valuable than a singular distant goal. Shift your mindset from a fixation on end results 
to the daily actions and process that lead to those results. Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed my deep dive into mental models that will save you hundreds of hours. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at MotivatedScott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening. Motivated Mind is a legacy division.